Okay, there we go. Now I'm on. There we go. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yeah. How, listen, how cool are these boxes, first off? That's incredible, I'm telling you. Amen. Amen. Think about 10 people, about 8.5 people per box uh, are going to be touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. That's very incredible. And I, I came up, you saw me whisper something in David's ear. I said, that's a good song. That remembrance song, that's a really good song. And I know, I know you probably don't get it, but that ties in so well with the song I used for the video this week. You know, you know, it's time for us to do something. It's time for us to do something. And when you live your life in remembrance, you'll do something. When you live your life in remembrance... You'll do something. You'll do something. Well, hey, we, it wouldn't be Sunday at Dorisville if we didn't start out the sermon with a story about food, you know? So, so here's the deal. You know, I'm, I'm not a big candy bar person. Now, I know Brent eats, sleeps, and breathes chocolate. But really, it's like chocolate cake and donuts and things like that, you know? But, but I'm not a big candy bar person. However, I want you to know that if you were to put one in my face, I'm not saying I would refuse it either. Now, now there's different kinds of candy bars. One is, like an example, as an example, one is the Hershey bar. Now, Vicki Blackman loves chocolate. I'll, she'll tell you that. You know, her and Brent are in cahoots. Okay, they love chocolate. But, but she, you know, she loves chocolate. And I'll every once in a while, I know where, the, where Brent stashes his candy down in the, in, by the way, it's the last cabinet. That way, on the bottom, you'll find some good stuff in there. Um, anyway, anyway, so, so I'll take her, uh, you know, I'll, I'll look at, you know, down there looking for something to eat. And, and I'll, I'll, say, I'll say, well, I'll take her. I'm not a big Hershey bar fan because it's just chocolate, you know. It's just chocolate. Now, every once in a while, there'll be a Hershey bar with almonds. And that's a little bit better. But then you step up. Can I have an amen? Then you step up to things like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Yeah, come on now. Come on. Now, I need to tell you, I had one of those moments this morning when I was studying. And I, I was thinking, you know, you remember that? I said, I said gee, do you remember that old commercial? And what it does, it shows two people in 19, 19, 1972. Now, this is what my moment was. I looked at G and I said, do you realize that was almost 50 years ago? I mean, my brain, 50 years ago, they invented the car and we started flying airplanes. 1972, 50 years. The year I graduated from high school, the year Jeremy Bennett was born. Okay, David Higgs, I think, was born in 1972. In 1972, they had a commercial for Reese Cups. And it went like this. There's a dude walking down the sidewalk. He's got little tiny earphones on. Wireless wasn't even invented. All that stuff wasn't invented. He had little tiny earphones on. And he's got in his hand a candy bar. And he's kind of like paying attention to the candy bar and the, and the music that's playing. And coming this way is a young woman, and, I, and she has a jar of peanut butter. Now, I know, I know, you say, who in their right mind would walk down a sidewalk with a jar of peanut butter sticking their finger in and eating it? It was the 70s, okay? It was the 70s. That's what we did in the 70s, all right? So anyway, so she's paying attention to her little earphones and the peanut butter, and they bump into each other, okay? And magically, okay, the candy bar goes into the peanut butter jar, and it pulls out, and part of the chocolate bar stays in the peanut butter. And he looks at her and says, you got peanut butter on my chocolate. And she said, well, you got chocolate on my peanut butter. And then it, the closing line is, two great tastes that comes together that taste great together. 
When things come together, magical things happen. Hence, the Reese's peanut butter cup. Now, that has nothing to do with the sermon, but sure leads into what I'm going to talk about. And that is the indescribably delicious. Now, y'all know, you know, that, that that is the Mounds Bar. Okay? The Mounds Bar is indescribably delicious. Now, again, people like Bryn and Vicky, and, and I don't reject it, like chocolate. Now, some of you guys understand the great pleasure of coconut. I mentioned this in a sermon about four months ago, how I would sneak into the kitchen and find Judy's bag of moist coconut and get me a handful and eat it while she wasn't around. Amazingly, there's been no coconut in the house since then. Uh, but I still like it. So, so here we've got coconut and we got chocolate, and that's good. But you put them dudes together, bam, you've got yourself a mounds bar. And it is indescribably delicious. And every once in a while they add a nut to the top of it called Almond Joy. And, you know, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. All right? But now here's where it all ties in. In 2 Corinthians 9.15, that's where we're going to be today in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9.15, here's what Paul says. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And there's more there than you think that there is. Okay? Now, our first thought, of course, would be Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the indescribable gift. And boy, is he. Amen? He really is. But in the context of this scripture, that's probably not what Paul had in mind. What he had in mind was the putting together of two great things and the resulting of that. See, what we don't understand is that you know, the ability to give is a grace thing with God. You know, it's not our natural nature, mostly, to be, to be givers, okay? So God gives us grace, and we have this ability to give. And then he goes a step further and puts in the desire to give. So we have the ability to give and the desire to give, and those things come from God. Come from God, okay? But here's the third thing that I find very interesting, and that is this. That not only do we have the ability, he gives us the ability to give and the desire to give... But he, he does that and allows us to give without partiality. Now, the story here today is the Jews in Jerusalem are starving to death. They're in a famine, okay? And God and Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, okay, who are a bunch of Gentiles. Now, y'all know the Jews were just a hair judgmental of Gentile people. In other words, they were good and everybody else was dogs, okay? But what's amazing is, is Paul is encouraging the Gentile Christians to help feed the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Very interesting. And they were able to do that because of the impartiality that God gives us. I, I, here's a moment of transparency. I, I know, now some of y'all know that I like a free lunch. Okay, I really like a free lunch. Okay, but that's not what I'm talking about. Believe it or not, that I have really quite a generous spirit in me. When something occurs, and that is this, I have to need to know, I need to know the need is genuine. I need, I'm just being candid, I'm being transparent with you. I have a generous streak in me, but I need to know it's genuine. And in this world, it seems so often it's not. Okay? And too often I have a tendency to use that as an excuse that I don't be generous with someone because, in my opinion, it's not genuine and real. Well, according to Paul, God allows us to overcome those things. 
He gives us the ability to give, the desire to give, and to give impartially. In other words, lead the results, to be generous, and lead the results up to Him. So, so here's what all that boils down to. If you boil it down to the base juice, here's what it boils down to. You know, the two things come together, and that's gratitude and generosity. You know, that's the coconut and the chocolate. When we have gratitude, when we're grateful to God, and we're aware of how we live a life of remembrance, okay, we have that gratitude. That gratitude comes together with, with that gratitude comes together with our, in our generosity, and what happens is this indescribable gift. When we are all of a sudden grateful, okay, for what God has done for us, then, then that sparks our generosity, and when those things come together, it's just an incredible gift that God can use. Yes, Jesus is at the top and the root, but when generosity and gratitude come together, it's an amazing gift that is functioning for God. Now, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, where we're going to start, there's a short verse there that is just packed with information. It's just packed. Okay, here's what it says. And this is the New Living Translation. You must each decide, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Now again, keep in mind, Paul is collecting an offering for the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem who are starving to death. Corinth, Corinth is a very wealthy church, okay? However, one of the most carnal churches in the New Testament. So they're sitting there, and Paul's trying to spur them on and encourage them to give to this need. And so he says to them, says, you know what? You know what? You've got to decide. You must decide in your heart how much to give. Now, now notice something. There's three things here I want to point out in this one verse. And that is this. The question is not, should we give? The question is not, you must each decide to give. Do I give or do I not give? That is not the question. And in fact, it's never the question. See, here's the deal. Our God is a giving God. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in James chapter 1, 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. So he loves the world and every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And he's not like shifting shadows. In other words, God's not generous one minute and not generous, uh, generous the next. The, the, the song, one of the songs that David really likes these days is, I serve a God of good intentions. And his intentions are not sometimes good. His intentions are always good. Okay, so what I'm trying to tell you is you've got spiritual DNA, Ross. You've got DNA. When you, when you were conceived by your mama and your daddy, you got DNA from both of them, and that came together and made you. Well, when, when Christ reached down and saved your soul and, and got into your life and into your heart, you got God's DNA. And God's DNA is given. So it's not up for grabs. It's not up for grabs if you give or not. If you are a child of God, you got to give. It's your, you can't help but give. You can't stop giving because it's in your DNA. But sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we don't realize that our DNA is, is that we're givers. But now notice something else that's very important. Paul said you must each decide in your heart. See, giving must be decided in the heart and not your brain. 
Giving must be decided in your heart and not your brain. See, your brain works on logic. And I'm going to tell you right now, regenerated or not, if you leave your brain alone, your brain's not going to be a given brain. I mean, you're going to sit down and do your tithe check on Sunday morning or Saturday night or whenever you do it, or you're going to mash the button on your phone and do giving online. If you leave it to your brain, you're going to look at all the bills and all that stuff, and you go, you know what, I'm not sure we can give this week. You're going to sit there and look at these boxes and spend about $17 each one of them, plus the shipping cost, and you're going to say, you know what, your logic is going to say, I'm not sure we can afford to do a box or two this year. You're, you're looking at Lottie Moon coming up in just a few weeks. And here we are having an opportunity to fund missions around the world. And your brain will tell you, you probably can't afford. And if you, if you can't afford, it's not as much as you probably should. So Paul makes a good point and says, don't rely on your brain. Okay? You've got to decide in your heart. And then the question is, how much to give? How much? Not, not if you should give. Not logically. What you should give, but you should decide in your heart how much you should give. Now, this is an opportunity to do a little teaching I need to do. Call, look, make a point to note that Paul is talking about offerings and not tithes. Offerings and not tithes. There is a difference. We taught this early last year on and tried to teach you about what is the, you know, the tithe is something that is mandated by God to show our love for Him and offerings we decide in our heart. You know, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, and last time I checked, by the way, the Old Testament is part of the Bible, part of the Word of God. There's nowhere in the New Testament where, where Jesus said or Paul said, Thou shalt not tithe. So as far as we know, this Malachi 3.10 still applies to our lives. And here's what Malachi 3.10 says. Bring the full tenth to 10%, okay? Bring the full 10%. Somebody asked me last time I preached on this, is it before tithe or before taxes or after taxes? I'll let you figure that out. Okay, I'll tell you what Gene and I do. You know, Vicki gives us a check. Whatever the base out of before deductions, that's what we write our check on. Okay? So bring the full tithe into the storehouse, into the house of God, into the house of God. Why? That there may be food in my house. That is so important. So we bring the full tithe into God's house that there might be ministry funded in the house of God. How do all these things happen that happen at Doorsville? They happen through your generosity and your obedience in your tithing. When you write a check for the budget offering, that funds all the offerings that go on. But Paul's not, or all the ministries that goes on. But Paul's not talking about tithes up in 2 Corinthians 9-7. He's not saying you've got to decide what you need to do there. That's an offering. There is a difference, okay? So he goes on and says this. Test me in this way, God says. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I usually do a little tap dance and I try to get God a caveat and, and, and give God a, 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 you know, an out, way out just in case. I ain't going to give you a way out today. My God said that if you'll be an obedient to him, that he will take care of you. Can I have an amen? My God, now listen, my God said... And, and by the way, you're going to see this in nine, nine, chapter 9 in 2 Corinthians, New Testament, all the way through. If we will trust God, He'll take care of us. See, if He will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. That doesn't mean you're going to go out and win the lottery. It doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to get every promotion you ever desired. It doesn't mean that you're going to open the, the mailbox and there's going to be a huge check inside. The blessings are the blessings of obedience of God. 
He may choose to bless you financially, but he just may choose to bless you with this inner peace and joy that only God can give. But I do know this. God blesses obedience. God blesses obedience. We and Gina, I have seen it throughout our lives. God blesses the obedience of his people. Now, I, I got a slide I want to show you, and it's just a good principle that you need to write down in your sermon notes today. And that is this. There's no debate and no decision. There's no debate and no decision on issues where the Bible clearly speaks. Okay? So if, the God, if God's word gives you a clear answer, there's no reason to go, Jesus, I don't know. Or, or, you know, she sit down with your wife and have a debate about, I don't know. If God speaks clearly in his word, you just do it. Or you just don't do it. Okay? That's just not true with giving. That's true with everything. You should not wake up on Sunday morning as a child of a God and go, lake or church? Golf or church? You just shouldn't have to do that. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together. I've said this before and I'll say it again right now. How many times you come per week is up to you. When you come is up to you. But the Bible says you should come. The Bible says you should give. The Bible says you should serve. The Bible says you should love. The Bible says you should forgive. The Bible says you should not put guilt trips on other people. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. So when the Bible speaks clearly, you don't need to have a business meeting. You don't need to have a committee meeting. You just do what the Word of God says. So Paul says, concerning offerings, you must each decide in your house, in your heart, how much to give. I like this by A.W. Tozer. It resonates with my spirit. And I'm sure there's a deeper meaning here than I'm even grabbing. But I really like it. It says, man is bored because he is too big to be happy with that which sin is giving him. I like that. Man is bored because he's too big to be happy with that which sin is giving him. See, here's what I found out. If there's one thing we want to push back on, and if there's one thing we want to wrestle on, is this giving thing. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your time and your talents. We push back with that. We, we, keep, we keep hoarding. We hoard our time, and we hoard our, our finances on the hope that we'll find satisfaction. Well, let me save you a little bit of trouble. The only satisfaction you're going to find is in Jesus Christ. You, you can buy the cars, you can, you can buy the stuff, you can, you can buy the big houses, you know, whatever it is that you're, you're going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this on the hopes I'll find satisfaction. Well, I've got great news. The price was paid on Calvary's cross. Jesus died for you. When you receive that gift, you get satisfaction. The song said, I can't find no satisfaction. I'm going to tell you where the satisfaction is. It is in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where you're going to find satisfaction. That's where you're going to find. Why are are we looking for satisfaction where it's not? When we as God's children know where it is. You know why? We wrestle with faith. We wrestle with faith. And Tozer is saying we, we, we get bored because we buy and buy and hoard and hoard and collect and collect. Okay? But we know a secret. That's not where satisfaction is. The old saying is, and it works really good... The old saying is, is that there's a God-shaped hole in every man's heart. And only God can fill that. You know, one of the prophets wrote and said, God has placed eternity in the heart of men. So, so we've got to decide, okay, what we're going to do. Now, once we decide what we're going to do, he gives us some 
guidance. Here's what he says in verse number 7, the last part. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Sometimes we give because we're afraid God will zap us if we don't. Now, come on. If you've ever been in an independent ministry, you know, legalist ministry, you know that story. That preacher will get up there and he'll pound that pulpit and say, you better give to God or he'll take your tithes out in the hospital. Boy, I love that grace. It's not the way we should give. We shouldn't give under pressure. We shouldn't give reluctantly. We, we, we should not give with hesitation. We not, should not give with debate. We should not give with, I have to. In fact, he says, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful God loves a person who gives cheerfully in the NLT version. Why is that? Why does God love a cheerful giver? You know why? Because he's a cheerful God who loves to give. And just in case, you know, there wasn't a debate in heaven one day, when they were trying to decide what to do with man's sin. And God said, well, you know, the wages of sin is death, and someone needs to pay for man's sin. And Jesus, I need for you to become flesh and go down there on Christmas and be born. And Jesus says, Father, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I will. If you, if you make me if you just think, I just got to, I will, but I don't want to. You think that's how that meeting went? No, let me just tell you how it went. Man's sin, and the payment for sin is death. And we have to do something like that. Jesus said, send me! Send me! I'll go. I'll live. I'll be born of a virgin. I'll live. I'll live a sinless life. I will let them scourge me and spit on me, and then they can hang me on that cross, and I will die, but bless God on the third day I'm coming back. On the third day, I'm coming back to life. We, we should give generously and cheerfully because we serve a generous God who is a cheerful God. How could you not... Oh, it's asking me if I fail. I'm okay. Hang on a second. Leave me alone. I did not fall. Okay, everybody's in agreement with that. That's why this song... That's why that remembrance song is so powerful. You know, when we remember the cross, remember what God did for us, our generosity just starts oozing up. How could it not? How in the world can we not remember that and then want to hoard and keep not just our money, our time, our talents, our abilities, and hoard them in? Now, I thought at this point you might need just a little bit of humor. So I found this on the internet. I thought it was pretty good. God loveth a cheerful giver. He also accepteth from a grouch or grinch. Because you might, you, might, you might be tempted to say, well, that solves my problem because there ain't no way I can give cheerfully because God don't want my money. Oh, he'll take it. He'll take it. He sure will. He sure will. Now, Paul moves on in verse number 8 and says this. Now, notice that first word in the NLT. I'm not sure what it is in other translations. The first word gives us a big hint. And. So, every person has to decide 
what he's going to do. He should not give reluctantly or under pressure because God loves a cheerful giver and. So it connects together. Here's what he says. And God will generously provide all your need. When it's connected to that, boy, does that come on powerful. When, when, when we decide in our hearts what we need to do, what God wants us to do, and we don't do it under pressure or reluctance, we do it because we love Jesus, okay, and God loves a cheerful giver, then all of a sudden, Paul speaks up and says, and God will generously provide all you need. Now, in the past, I've been tempted to do something like this. Now, th- that might mean something else. Can I ask you a question? Can anyone here, theologian or not, can you see anything there other than what that says? When we trust God, and we do so with a generous heart, Paul, the theologian, Paul, the author of Romans, Paul, the guy everybody loves, says, and God will generously provide all your needs. And he's writing to the Corinthian church who has lots of money but does not want to cut loose of it. Okay? They're, they're Christians, they're believers, but they're fussing and fighting their carnal church. But he says, you need to know something, that when this happens, God will generously provide all that you need. I love Philippians 4, uh, 4 19, 20. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We've heard that verse before. He goes on and says, now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? Is that. Then he goes on and says in verse number 8, Then, then, first, God will generously, how? Generously. I like that. God will generously provide all your need. Then, he says, you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So is it possible, is it possible that God's word is true? And is it possible that if we follow what God's Word says, that God will meet our needs and we'll have plenty left over to share? All of a sudden, it doesn't come to this. It doesn't come to... It doesn't come down to, should I do a shoebox? All of a sudden, it becomes, because there's plenty left over to share, it comes, how many shoeboxes should I do? All of a sudden, it's not... It's not should I give to Lottie Moon that funds world missions? All of a sudden it becomes, how much can I, can I, can I give to Lottie Moon? See, it changes everything. It's not, it's not can I help a local family who's struggling this Christmas. It's how many families can I help? Because again, and God will generously provide all your need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. How about that? Now, I know the problem, and you know the problem. And the problem is, is that we struggle with wants and needs. We were having a discussion during Judgment House, actually during dinner, not during Judgment House, during dinner. And Judy was there, and my friend Bill Moore was there, and I was there, and a couple others were there. And somehow, I don't know how, somehow the topic of the new iPhone came up. Okay? And I, and I spoke up and said, you know, that Saturday, that Saturday, that Saturday, if you buy a new iPhone, you can get a $400 gift card back. I went, hmm, how about that? You know. So I, and I'm going, and you know Judy needs a new iPhone. 
Now, can we just be honest? In a, in a moment of transparency, okay, Judy probably does not need a new iPhone. But it sure sounded good that night. So we're having this discussion back and forth, and my brother Bill speaks up and says, do you really need a new iPhone? He went to meddling. I, don't just hate it when deacons meddle, you know? And, and, and he didn't say it once, he said like three times. You talk about going, talk about going down in flames. How are you going to argue with that? Ask me if I got a new iPhone. Nope. You want to know why? Not because I couldn't have it. I figured out I didn't need it. Didn't need it. So we have to be careful then with our wants and needs. God is not going to supply. I'll just tell you right now. God's not going to supply probably every, every want that you have. But he does promise to meet every need, and when he does that, there's going to be plenty left over to share. Then in verse 9, I like this. In verse 9, he says, As the scriptures say, they share freely, they, people, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Now watch, 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 watch. This is the good part. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Now, this isn't out of Proverbs somewhere. We're going to hit that in a minute. But this is, this is Paul in the New Testament. They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Now, let me tell you what generosity is. Generosity is a legacy writer. See, they're going to tell stories about you. You know, I mean when you're dead. Well, you know that does happen. There's a 100% death rate in the world, barring the rapture. So at your funeral, they're going to talk about your legacy. And one of the greatest legacies you can ever say, have said about you is, he was a generous man, he was a generous woman. And the Bible says, the Bible says, their good deeds will be forever remembered. Hmm. How about that? I didn't hear any amens on that. I mean, what do you want to say at your funeral? <laughs> he was tighter than a toad in, a, in a, a wetsuit. I have never said that before. Whew, where did that one come from? He's so, he's so tight, his toenails curl up. You want that said? Or do you want your funeral to be filled with legacy stories about how you trusted God and God was faithful and you gave generously? Generously. Here's that scripture from Proverbs. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. I call it the irony of generosity. The irony of generosity. One person gives freely yet gains more. So there's a person who gives freely and he gains more. Another withholds what is right only to become poor. Isn't that irony? If you want to, if you want to save your life, you've got to lose it. You know, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the irony of the gospel. And, and, and the author of Proverbs looking you know, forward to Calvary says this. It's, it's irony I can't explain that when you give it away, you gain more. When you choose to hoard it, you end up with less. It's the farmer and the barn story. That Jesus talked about. And you know, he, he dies after building bigger barns. And Jesus said, whose stuff will it be anyway? He goes on and says this. A generous person will be enriched. 
A generous person will be enriched. And the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. I'm going to say something. We'll be healthier if we're generous. Generosity is going to change your outlook and even you physically as you give. The the person who is generous will be enriched. And the one who gives a drink of water will get water in return. See, generosity adds the color to our life. Generosity adds the color to our life. Greed can only add shades of gray. I tell you, you know what I'm talking about. The times when I did listen to God and was obedient with, with offerings to people were times of great blessing. It was colorful. I remember, you remember, Gene, we were coming back from, I guess, Florida, and we stopped at that Cracker Barrel, and there was a family that was obviously not very wealthy and had about five kids, and they're sitting there. And didn't ask Judy. This is like, did you really do this? You're going to say, did you really do this? Called the waitress over and I said, can I have their check? And I got their check. Didn't go over and say, hi, my name's Dwayne. I'm a pastor at Dorisville Baptist Church. I bought your lunch today. <gasps> Wait, I bought somebody's lunch? I must have been on drugs. <laughs> no. Judy and I walked out the door and we got in the car. And you know what we did? We cried. We wept. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not tooting horns here. I'm just telling you. The emotional well-being was so great, we just wept. And Judy let us in prayer and said, God, thank you that we could do that today. Thank you. Trust God. Try God. See what God says. A generous person will be enriched. And generosity adds color to our lives. As we hoard and keep, it can only add shades of gray. Only add shades of gray. So then Paul says in verse number 10, for God is the one. Now, someone say, for God is the one. Yeah. yeah. See, no matter where you are in your station of life, if you got a whole lot of money or you got just a little bit of money, it all comes from God. God is the one. If we had time, we'd go to Deuteronomy and I'd show you that's great scripture. But God is the one. So, so God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. So, so God gives the farmer some seed. Now the farmer can eat the seed or the farmer can plant the seed. If he chooses to eat the seed, he gets one meal. Okay? And I'm talking about, you know, granola is not that good. Okay. But... He can plant the seed, and then there's a harvest time. At the harvest time, he's going to have a whole lot of wheat of which he can make bread. So so the farmer has a choice to either eat the seed or plant the seed. And the outcomes are drastically different. Well, look what Paul says. In the same way, in the same way, he, God, will provide and increase your resources... And then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I can't get around. I can't get around this. It seems to me that the word of God is saying, if you'll trust me and be generous, then I'm going to put more in your hands so you can turn around and be more generous. Now, not to hoard, but he seems to be saying, you know, 
In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God seems to be saying, if you'll trust me and be generous, then I'll put more in your hands so you can be more generous. I, I snagged this off the internet. It's called the, the cycle of grace giving. Um, it's, it's a good slide. It really is. We got that back there, Kayla? Yeah, there you go. I know you. Can you see that? No, I'm going to read it to you anyway. It doesn't matter. You know, the cycle of grace giving based on this scripture goes like this. First off, we give to God. Every person has to decide what they're going to give, okay, in their hearts. They have to decide. So, so we give to God. And by the way, interesting enough, I did not include in the, in the scripture set, my bad, okay, is verse 6. If you sow a little, you reap a little. If you sow a lot, you reap a lot. That's verse 6. And verse 7 is the one we covered. And it says, you know, you've got to decide in your heart what you're going to do. So then the next step is God's grace abounds. God generously provides all of our needs. Okay? And then it moves down to we give more to God. So we have what we need. Okay? And then we turn around. God gives us more. So we continue to be generous. We continue to be generous. And then God blesses us even more. You've got the seed and the bread, what we just talked about. In the same way, we are enriched to be generous. We're never enriched to be hoarders. We're never enriched to be greedy. We're enriched to give it away. Enriched to give it away. So he goes on then and says this. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, 12. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. Two things are going to happen. One... The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. So as we are generous, people's needs are going to be met. And secondly, and most importantly, they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So two things are going to happen. When we're generous, needs are going to be met. All around this world, these boxes are going. Okay? Needs are going to be met. What's the need? They don't need toys. No, they need Jesus. You do understand this is just a tool. And they're going to have the opportunity to go through the greatest general uh, journey. And they're going to have a chance to receive Jesus. Okay? So needs are going to be met. And then, and then, they're going to thank God. And you might say, where do we fit in that? Where do we fit, Dwayne? What's in it for us? Well, I told, you know, when I was talking about heaven and judgment house, I told about how, you know, Jesus did it. And I said, did you notice I didn't mention going to church? I didn't mention a giant scale. I didn't mention any of that. I said, you know why? It's not part of the story. And we're not part of the story for generosity. God puts it in our hands and we funnel it out to others. Their need is met. God gets the glory. Their needs are met. God gets the glory. You know, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, just as each one has received a gift, so use it to serve others as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are stewards and not hoarders. We're managers of what God places in our hands. And then Paul says this, as a result of your ministry. Don't you like that? Did you know you had a ministry? You do. You have the ministry of giving. You have the ministry of generosity. You have the ministry of gratitude. So, so as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave his son. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. 
for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. It's our birthmark. Generosity is one of our DNA birthmarks. When we're generous as Christ was generous, it just shows I'm a believer. Kind of does what baptism does. Kind of does what Lord's Supper does. Giving, generosity, is a birthmark of being a Christian. You know, when we give cheerfully and accept gratefully, everyone's blessed. When we give cheerfully and accept gratefully, everyone is blessed. So finally, verse 14. And they will pray for you with deep affection. Now, can you imagine that? Can, can you get that? Can you imagine somewhere in Africa? No, let's go, let's go to Central Asia. And there's an Islamic man who received Jesus Christ because you and I were faithful in paying for missionaries to go there so they could be in that country and sharing the gospel. Imagine the prayer around that little fellowship of believers in Central Asia as they say, God, thank you for the ones who made it possible for this missionary to be here. The old Ray Bolt song, thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you for giving to the Lord. They will, they will gratefully pray for you with deep affection because of the outflowing grace God has given to you. See, again, giving is a grace deal. We give, we have the desire to give and the ability to give because of God's grace. And we can give impartially, okay, impartially because of God's grace grace. And that's the cycle of grace giving. That's the cycle. So as we as we think about these shoe boxes, I, I really, God spoke to my heart about this through the last few weeks. You've heard it too many times. Didn't think otherwise. There are still boxes here. It's not too late. I hope today, you know, as we're sitting here and it's 9, it's 917, each one of you must decide in your heart how much to give. The question is not, should you do a box? It's how many boxes should you do? And if you've got a, gotten a box in the past and you haven't filled it yet, it's not too late. We start collecting them tomorrow here at Dorisville. It's going to be a big deal, and we're excited about that. And uh, we're going to be collecting boxes. So, so if you've got a box, be sure and fill it. Because, again, there's some child somewhere who's going to be blessed by your generosity. It's a done deal. I mean, you know, you've got to... You know, you, you know, kids, you go out and buy a present for them. They may or may not like it, you know. You know, This is a done deal. There's some kid. There is some kid who's going to open this box. It's going to be the very first gift they ever got. Never, never heard of a gift before. And they're going to crack that box open. And they're going to squeal and ooh and all of that. Somewhere in the world. But then... Some pastor is going to stand up. And that pastor is going to tell that child about Jesus. And statistics say a whole bunch of them sign up for the greatest journey and are discipled after they're born again. And eight and nine and ten people are touched. So if you got a box at home, you shouldn't fill it. And you haven't got the box yet, I hope you'll come get one today. 
end of service, invitation, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And just, well, actually, we're going to have a, an international mission here next week. You won't miss next week. We've got a, a guest speaker. I'm not allowed to say his name. But we've got a guest speaker next week. It's going to bless our hearts. He's, in, he's over in, over in uh, the Middle East. He's going to bless our hearts. And it kicks off our Lottie Moon. And Lottie Moon is all about missions. It's all about every dollar you give in Lottie Moon goes to support missionaries. No administrative costs, no publicity, none of that. Every dollar goes so people can hear about Jesus Christ. So it's not a question is, should I give to Lottie Moon? It's just a question of how much should you give to Lottie Moon. Search your heart. And God will tell you. And you know, it's good we go on airplanes and go around the world. It's good we ship boxes around the world. But we got a mission field right here in Harrisburg. And there are needs right here. There are hungry people right here in Harrisburg. There are, there are, there are kids. You remember the story from last year? One of our members was driving in our neighborhood. And there's a little boy standing on the sidewalk dressed for school. The person stopped and said, Sonny, what are you doing? I'm waiting on the school bus. Well, there's no school today. It's Christmas Day. And his world, Christmas, was just another day. There's plenty of needs right here in Harrisburg. What will you do? Will you search your heart and see how God will speak to you about how you can help right here in our community? The opportunity is so great. And it's such a privilege to be a part of all of this. And that's why Paul said, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Because the gifts that come through generosity and gratitude are such a rich gift that we get to be a part of. It's your chance to have a ministry. Let's pray together. If you're here today and you heard the Jesus story about the cross, how willingly he went to the cross. How willingly he died for us. Because the payment for sin is death. We deserve to be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. Eternal punishment. But God in his deep love and his deep mercy allowed his son Jesus to come and die for us. That was Christmas when he was born Easter, Good Friday when he died. Easter when he resurrected. And we can help you discover that story for you personally. If you want to know more about Jesus and how he came and died, then Brent will be standing down front and we would love to share with you that great truth. And I love this because it has nothing to do with church or religion. It's all about you and Jesus and what you do with him and what he did for you. If you're here today, I hope you were challenged. No, no guilt trips. No guilt trips. But I hope you were challenged today to maybe, maybe take God at His word. Whether your checkbook is 
full or nearly empty. It's an opportunity to trust God, whether you have a lot or a little. Trust God with a shoebox or two. Trust, trust God with an offering to light a moon. Trust God with blessing someone you know in our community that needs a little light in their dark world. And watch what it does in your family. Daddy, watch what, watch what happens when your children see you being generous. Mom, watch what happens when your kids see you being generous. It's going to be amazing because it's an indescribable gift. Now, God, thank you so much. Oh, for this indescribable gift. God, in a moment of transparency, I've said it twice already. There's some areas that I don't even wrestle with. It's automatic. But there's some areas when it's just not. So I got some learning to do. I got some application to do in my own life today. Thank you for showing that to me. Father, I just pray you'll speak to our church family. They're so generous. They are so generous. God, I'm just asking us to go a little bit further. Whether it be a shoebox or a lottie or a family. Just go a little further. Help us not to be like the Dead Sea where we reach a point where we're all intake and no outflow. Help us be like the Sea of Galilee that takes water in and gives water out. One dead and one alive. Help us to be more generous than ever. And Father, if there's a friend here this morning who desperately needs you, Holy Spirit, would you draw their hearts to you, speak to their hearts, and lead them to Jesus. And I pray in your precious name.